I'm Ryan Pack, and this is Soundtrack Your Life, where we talk to a guest about a soundtrack that they have a personal connection to. Today we have a special guest. We have Lou Barlow of Dinosaur Jr., Sebado, and The Folk Implosion. Welcome, Lou. Hi. And uh, Lou, you actually have a podcast of your own now. I do. So why don't you tell us about Raw Impressions? Yeah, I do a podcast with my wife that... uh... It's just kind of us talking and then me making, I don't know, I create, I've, I'm writing songs for it and doing a lot of four track stuff for it as well for like the interstitial stuff. And yeah, so I don't know, I'm kind of trying to take the lo-fi stuff, like just, I'm really want to include cassettes in it, but also, but still with a kind of crisp, high fidelity, modern podcast sound for the talking and stuff. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's an evol- it's an evolving project. I'm really into it. Yeah, it's been cool, and you've had some guests on there, and you've debuted some new songs, and it's been a it's been a, quite a ride. Yeah, I'm really i'm I'm pretty I'm pretty into it. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about some of the soundtrack stuff that you've done. For the first episode of this podcast, we covered the kids soundtrack, which you had a major part in. Yeah. I've read some of the interviews that you did when they did the vinyl reissues a few years ago. So I'm going to try to not repeat too many of the same questions, but I want to start things off okay. with an email that my friend Dan sent me after he heard that kid's episode. Okay. And he said that um, he was living in L.A. at the time and had a friend who worked in the industry that got him tickets to the premiere of Kids in Santa Monica and all he was told is that it was a modern day Romeo and Juliet, and he took a date there, and it did not go too well. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a raw film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you actually um, had a you were very involved with the filming, like, or uh, with the music. You were very involved, and they actually like let you on set to watch them film uh scenes, no right? we didn't go on set but we were invited into the process we saw them actually casting the movie i mean we were we were around we were around very oh early, that's early right that's part. right sorry they brought us in before they'd even started filming um and uh yeah i don't know they just they brought us down to new york and or brought me down there and then john and i i don't know we were we were really involved in it we didn't we weren't involved in the actual filming but we were we were sort of in pre-production and then um, in post, obviously, because we were doing doing the tunes. Yeah, and so you guys uh, picked some pretty obscure samples. Uh, were these samples you guys were kicking around before um, they brought you in, or you know, was it from watching like some of the footage where you decided that you were going to go with like the left bank and? Some of these other, uh, um, like the silver apples and stuff. No, I, I don't know. We just had, we just, we just really wanted to sample stuff. I mean, because we were like, heck, you know, it's about the city, so let's let's sample. You know, I think that they, I think Harmony wanted us to do the opposite. I think he wanted us to go super lo-fi. Uh, you know, just like kind of what I, he wanted to go more in my, my solo four-track direction. You know, that he was into because he liked that juxtaposition. So there's some of that in it, but but we did also want to really, what we wanted to make it, we wanted to just introduce samples, I guess, because at that point we were really, you know, uh, we were really into rap 
and really into like R&B and we thought it'd be interesting to just do our own, you know, to just use that technology. The, the technology was fairly new then and we just wanted to use that and, and, uh, but we did use a ton of four track stuff. We used four track stuff. We recorded a lot of it on four track, you know? And so, uh, I actually bought the single for natural one, which became a top 40 hit. And the B side mm. of that is a song called cab ride that I believe John wrote. And was that written for the film as well? That was, that was definitely written for the film. <laughs> Cause they're like, we need a song for the cab ride. And we're like, okay, they didn't use it. But because uh, they they wanted they used I can't remember what they ended up using they used some sort of classic jazz song in it uh, that Larry Clark was really attached to so they didn't use our cab ride but we we tried okay yeah because I've been it doesn't sound like the other songs that you guys did for the soundtrack so I wasn't absolutely sure no we we did it I mean John played sax and, you know we did it in the studio we did it with everything else you know. And so uh, the supervisor of the soundtrack is Randall Poster, who, I mean, I, I think everyone kind of knows him now as like the Wes Anderson guy. Yeah, I mean, he's, yes, <laughs> he's, uh, he's tops in his field, you know, I mean, he was, he was incredibly, he was incredibly hands on, really drew us into the project, really followed up on stuff, really enabled us in an, an amazing way. And they seemed to like us too, like personally. So that was nice. And we just, you know, had a lot of dinners with them and he came to the studio once and, uh, yeah, he was really good. And I'm really, I was, you know, not surprised at all that he just continued to move forward and do great work, you know, and still does. Yeah. And he was the soundtrack supervisor for a life less ordinary, which also has a full complosion song. That's true. Is that true? I, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I forgot about that. I think, yeah, so that was before we worked with them for the kids' soundtrack, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. So I, I don't know if he was a fan or, I mean, clearly he likes using you. Well, we were we were really brought into it by, I was, Harmony Curine, He he approached me. He wrote me letters. I mean, he wrote me several letters just like, I'm going to make this movie and it's going to be amazing and I want your music in it. And then I I was working with John at that point and John was, we had a really, I don't know, we had a very, our collaboration then was just really working for me. So I, I was like, okay, I'll do it, but I'm going to bring my friend John into it because I, I think we'll, I'll be better able to really crawl into the, the, the film, the script and John and I, he's, he's, John is a percussionist. I mean, among, he's an amazing guitar player and percussionist, but, uh, we just, I don't know. We would, the two of us together, I just thought it was like a really, I, I just really wanted it to be the two of us. And that's, that's what. Right. Happened. And there's also a previously released Sebado song on the soundtrack and a song with deluxe folk implosion, which is yourself and John with, um, Bob Faye's deluxe project, right? Yep, exactly. Yep. I just thought I wanted I just wanted to bring everything in that I was working on that I was really exciting me at the moment. Yeah, it's really cool. And um as far as Deluxe Folk Implosion goes, the only other song that I know of that you guys have is the uh, I'm just a bill cover from the Schoolhouse Rocks um compilation. Yeah, we actually 
we actually released a we self-released an LP like maybe like seven years ago. We because oh, really? we did do yeah we had a we did do one uh, other than the session we did for Daddy Never Understood. We did do and the session for uh, I'm Just a Bill. We also did a we did a session like a day session where we recorded like I can't remember like thirteen or fourteen songs and so we we've self-released that. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I have a, Yeah. Well, I will probably hunt that down shortly. <laughs> yeah, look it up. <laughs> it's out there. Oh, and I also wanted to add that my friend used to use um, Never Gonna Stop the Flow in his DJ sets in the 90s. Nice. I'm sure I like that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he would want to make sure I pass that along to you. Hmm. So this is not on a soundtrack, but there was a, a compilation, I think, coming out around this time called Lounge Acts. Yeah. And you yep. got, there's a Sebado song on there, but I believe it's written by you and John. Yeah, that's Whole Hog. Yeah, that's... Sebado were doing that DFI song for... Deluxe Folk Implosion song for Encores. And so we recorded it and, as Sebado and put it on that compilation okay okay because i was like i i think that's like the only like sebado song that john has a writing credit on that i know of oh yeah yep for sure <laughs> so i was like oh that's that's cool and i think jason sings it no i sing it oh but... you sing it it's a yeah. live it's a live version though right no oh is it no it's not a live version it's i mean it was in the studio I believe I did. I believe I overdubbed the vocals. <laughs> oh, well, it it sounds very spontaneous, like it's a, a live version in a good way. Yeah, yeah, that's that was the that was the intention. Yeah, I didn't get to catch you guys in '96, so I wasn't I wasn't seeing yeah. that uh, encore. But uh, yeah. but these are just. But I've had that question since like 1996. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just. All of that stuff was happening happening concurrently. It was like Sebado had done Bake Sale, uh, pretty much. I think it was all it was all right on the heels of each other. Like it was like we did. John and I did take a look inside, and then right after that, I did Bake Sale, and then after that. Uh, John and I went into the kids soundtrack stuff. It was like a really, it was a really fertile period, you know. And then Harmacy came. Then Harmacy came after that. Yeah. But that was, that was, Harmacy was being recorded like right as Natural One was becoming a hit, which was incredibly awkward. <laughs> Looking back on it, it was really, we had set up the session for uh, Harmacy with Wally Gagel was the assistant to our to our main engineer for the record it was who was Tim O'Hare who had recorded uh, Bake Sale he was at the helm for Harmacy as well but in the meantime <laughs> his assistant became had was the one who produced and actually co-wrote a uh, natural one with John and I and like and when we were in the studio with Sebade like you know natural one the video was on TV and it was just I really wanted it to not be strange and I didn't it's actually taken me probably this long to just acknowledge that it was incredibly uncomfortable because it, it created so much tension between our two engineers it created tension 
within the band. It was like, because I had this song taking off, I mean, like literally, like just becoming an actual top 40 hit. And I was, I really just wanted to record an, uh, the next Sebado record because Full Complosion was, was a studio project, really. I mean, we did play live a bit, but I mean, it was nothing that was we were going to pursue as a as a band as a normal band like Sebado was my my bread and butter and i it was unfortunate <laughs> you know yeah uh, it seems like everything has kind of worked out now yeah yeah it's all it's all is what it is you know it's all good and wally's had quite a career too yeah he really i mean wally really took what happened with natural one and kind of ran with it you know it had a different effect on John and I. I think John and I, like, we ended up imploding, <laughs> the two of us, in our own ways, uh, you know, on the heels of that when we tried, we did a one-part lullaby. Actually, we did Dare to Be Surprised, then one-part lullaby, all sort of in the shadow of Natural One. And, uh, you know, by, by you know, 1999, uh, we just couldn't really sustain it just it just started a long kind of very dark period but you guys were getting picked up on soundtracks uh pretty pretty often on the heels of natural one like you know i mentioned life less ordinary which um i don't that know was if before. It, oh is that before that was... i just know the movie came out after kids yeah it was before cuz that's a, the 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 mix of that song kingdom of lies on the life less ordinary soundtrack is is um is is an early mix of it. Actually, it's not complete. It's we end we ended up sort of completing it for one part lullaby. The the version that appeared in Life Less Ordinary is a, an early version. Yeah, I did notice that those are not the same version from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then you have Free to Go on the American Beauty soundtrack, and that is on one part lullaby as well. Yeah, they threw that up there, and then I guess years later it. it it showed up on like what is it the what is it the what is that film? It's like Eternal Sunshine of the Oh no, I God, sorry. <laughs> I, I remember one of the songs off of One Part Lullaby ended up in, an, in a soundtrack like years later, and it took me totally by surprise because I had no I, I had totally forgotten. What happens with film soundtracks often is that you you sign off on it, you're like okay, and then just a I mean, time passes and you forget that you, I mean, this, it kind of happens now. There's been, Sebado's got a bunch of, gets placements here and there and I totally forget. And then like the, one of the, one of our songs from Bake Sale popped up on the the new Halloween movie. And I was oh, like, wow. I, I didn't, I, I didn't even remember. Like, I was like, when did I even like, okay that? I mean, just cause films take so long to produce. And, right. And the, uh, the nuts and bolts of it are, are, pretty complicated and things just really get drawn out. And then by the time it actually shows up, it's like I had, Oh, I forgot. I had no idea. You know, and it, that, that actually, there's been a, a recent Netflix thing that had natural one in it and flame by Sebado. And I don't, I was like, people were like, Hey, they're in this. I'm like, I don't remember. I mean, I, I, I okay. Almost anything. I, I okay. Anything that comes across my, in my inbox, it's like, if you want to use the song, that's great. I mean, it's, it's really, that kind of stuff is how I survive really. It's, it's the thing that like, it's always the, the X factor that gets me through a year. It's like, Oh my 
thank God. I mean, we, you know, it's like, oh, I got $5,000 for this or, I mean, that, that kind of stuff just, it's always a surprise and it's always like, um, pretty crucial, you know? Right. And do you feel like the acceptance of that has kind of changed since the nineties where like now it's like, well, obviously you have to do that. We're in the nineties. It was like, oh, sell out. Oh, I never thought that way. I don't, I've never, I've never had any problem with any of my music being used anywhere. <laughs> it's like, go for it. I mean, I just, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there would be notable exceptions, but I, or things that I absolutely would not agree to, but in general, everything is, is relatively like, uh, yeah, it's just like, Oh, you want to use that? Great. Please. You know. Right. Yeah. I think I saw a weird by Sebado pop up in like a wrestling documentary. Yeah, that might be the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not hard to, I mean, it's it's not hard to get a, you know, there's no, there's not a whole lot of like negotiations going on. It's like, oh, 750 bucks. Great. I don't care. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> take it, take it, use it, please. You know, just get the stuff. I mean, I, that's one thing that I love. You know, I love film soundtracks for that is like, I mean, you discover music that way. You're like, what is that? You know? Yeah. You know, it's just, and I like, I like being part of this big random, I mean, I just, I I just love the idea of people who've never, never thought to listen to my stuff, never heard it, never, they're like, they would never be in the, you know, like, I like the idea of people just, random people just hearing stuff and being like, what is that? You know, so. How, how did it feel to be part of like a movie that won like film of the year at the Oscars? <laughs> best picture which one was that <laughs> american beauty right didn't it win best picture i think it did uh, we weren't even in the the song wasn't in the movie that was back in the 90s i'll tell you the difference in the 90s was that they they would stack the soundtracks with songs that were not not in the movie right and they would say it's like inspired by <laughs> it was a label i mean it's not even inspired by it. it's just like it's it's it was a label ploy it was just it was just part of like promotions. It was just label politics. It was them trying to like promote acts and uh, yeah, it had nothing to do like the, the the song is not in the movie, you know. It's on the soundtrack. That was that was the case with a lot of things back then. So that was the nineties, you know. I was gonna say a movie that uh, you're that you are in is Laurel Canyon. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yep. you, you play some sparkle horse covers of that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that was, that was, um, that was a deeply humbling experience. That's all I, <laughs> I had never been in a movie before and, uh, I'd never been on a movie set even. And, uh, I, I realized I, I, I was so terrible at it that it was, I had a lot of realizations and I was like, wow, no wonder movie stars make the money they make. And like, this is, you know, I just, a lot of things. And it was also humbling because I really did actually appeal. I was hoping that they would use, cause it was, it was the new folk implosion at the time, but I was like, hey, maybe they could use one of our songs. And it's like, no, <laughs> you're, we're, you're, you're, uh, you're doing sparkle horse cast-offs. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it was like, it was tough. We went into the studio and like, 
recording those songs for the movie was just one of, I mean, the songs were very simple, but the recording process was incredibly protracted. And then the guy that was the lead singer in our band was like this very confident actor guy. And uh, the first day on the set, he was just like sitting at this table with this 12, I think a 12 string guitar and played this absolutely like immaculate cover of uh, Ride My Llama by Neil Young and just looking around the room. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like so out of my league. I can't even, I could just barely, I was just, it was, it was mortifying. And like it, it was, yeah, just the trying to do the lines and then just really, and the whole, the whole, I mean, the atmosphere was really cool. The people that actually work on films, you know, like the lighting people, the sound people, like they're really like the people that were working that film were incredibly cool. Like, you know, like the, you would see a boom operator with like a dead moon shirt on and, Everybody was so cool, like all the people working on it. And we were, we were working with uh, Frances McDormand, and she was like amazing, like as nice as you would ever want her to be. And But it was just, I was so out of my depth. And it, I made some pathetic appeals to the director to use some songs of mine. I even gave her like a CDR or whatever, some songs. And it was just like, she was just came back to me like, hey, do you know Elliot Smith? And I'm like, I do. I do. <laughs> so, we, I mean, like she was like super psyched to get Elliot Smith uh, at the wrap up party. And I, I got Elliot Smith to the wrap wrap up party. And that was that was my that was my greatest contribution to, to the filming. <laughs> it was like the like the director got to meet uh, Elliot and Elliot, Elliot was in a terrible way at that point, too. And uh, it was it was I was. <laughs> And, you know, I've never actually I've never been asked to score a film or actually since kids, I was never really asked to score a film or. And. Uh, yeah, and then my actual experience of being in a film, I was like, this is so, yeah, I don't know. That was a while ago. Do you remember how you got um, brought into Laurel Canyon? Well, they needed the the. The uh, producer of the film, one of the producers of the film was a huge folk implosion fan and had really loved the one part lullaby record. And uh, at that point, the band was myself and Russ Pollard from Sebado and Ahmad Wasif. And Russ and Ahmad are like really good looking guys. Like, and they were younger. They're good, but younger than me. Like, I think they're both a, maybe like 15 years, 10, 15 years younger than me. And at that point, they were like, they were both looked really good and uh we looked good <laughs> as a band at least my my bandmates were, and my bandmates were pretty confident and um i think we made a, our our we did a screen test or whatever and they they got us into it but it was it was this guy scott ferguson who was a producer of the movie who got who was a folk implosion fan and he uh got us to to audition and we got the parts. Oh, cool. Um, I interviewed uh, Craig Wedgen last year. He scored the film. He's from Shudder to Think. Yeah. Yep. He was around. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Another confident, really super confident guy. I was like, Beck's bass player was like hanging out. He was like, 
he was on set too, and I don't know, and he was incredibly confident. Justin Meldel Johnson. Oh yeah, uh, and I think Joey yeah, like, Ronker was there too. I didn't. I didn't meet him. I've always heard of. I at one point during the recording of Harmacy, uh, Tim O'Hare, our producer, was like insisting that I fire our drummer and get Joey Warnaker to play to record the record. And I was, I couldn't do it. I was like, I can't fire my friend. Right. <laughs> the, he reduced the, the, Tim like reduced me to tears one night. He's like, these songs are like dead in the water unless you get a new, new drummer. And I was like, Oh God, you're right. You know? <laughs> and I was just drinking and crying and he's telling me that we, we're going to get Joey Warnaker on the phone and we're going to transform this record into like something, you know, viable and, and I was like, okay. And then, but the next day I woke up and I'm like, I can't fire my friend and get Joey Warnaker to play this record. <laughs> but I didn't see Joey. Oh, you didn't see Joey. No. Daniel Lenoir was on set on the last day. We did, there was a big party scene at the last day and uh, it, it's in the movie, but uh, Daniel Lenoir was there. That was a trip. And then, and the sparkle horse guy was there too. He showed up. Um, yeah. And Francis McDormand, we were in the Chateau Marmont and Francis McDormand was playing Tom Waits and being wonderful. And, yeah. <laughs> I was hoping that, uh, you had a more positive experience from that, but I mean, well, I mean, it's Hollywood not, it's not Hollywood. a, it's not a negative. I mean, it's, it's, it's totally my own thing. I mean, the people that, I, the people that I met through that, I mean, I gained so much respect for the, the movie making pro process. Not that I ever thought it was easy or I, it's just, that it's, it's, you don't know until you, you actually live and experience something on that scale and, and doing it was like, it was very impressive. And then also just considering, uh, you know, Francis McDormand and Christian Bale, like these are like real, they were, you know, it was amazing to be, watch those people work and to, and to just be, to be a fly on the wall. I would have preferred to be a fly on the wall rather than ever having the lights on me. It, that was, I, I, that, that was tough. So it was not, it was not a bad experience by any means. It was an incredibly textured, interesting, uh, experience, but, uh, I just wish I was in a better spot when we did it. Yeah. I'm surprised that, uh, I guess you didn't, you didn't really come, uh, pet, you didn't really cross paths with like um, Craig Wedren when you guys were both, you know. I, I saw him because we, 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 he was in the, he was also in the party scene, I think. So he was around and he was like, yeah, he was like he was going to score the film. And uh, like I said, I had made some appeals to the director and she was just like kind of gave me like I mean, she didn't she wasn't a fan. So it was like I didn't. And then I, I guess like just in, in the wake of that, it was kind of the thing, kind of a thing like where, you know, the, the kids soundtrack was such a surprise and so cool and so well received. And I think because nothing had really happened on the heels of that, like I was never asked to do another one again. And then I was sort of in, in Laurel Canyon in that thing. And I was just meet, I was just, I realized why I just realized that the caliber of talent that, that was really doing that kind of work, like Craig and Justin Meldel Johnson and, 
you know, that they were they were so far superior to me that I I understood why. And it was just that's that's why I said it was really humbling. It was just a very humbling experience. I mean, I I think that you should be doing more movies. I I think um, the kid soundtrack is great, and I'm obviously I've been a fan of your work for like thirty years now. Yeah, we love we love we love scoring the film, and I really liked the way I thought that I thought that the texture like lo-fi textures came off incredibly well. I was like. I just thought that, you know, something that was more, I think anything, I, I, I think it would be really interesting to bring that approach to some other project. You know, it would be, it would be, it would just be, it would be an interesting way to do it. And um, with that kind of like uh, combination of textures and, but you know, there's, there's all kinds of incredibly brilliant, you know, people who score films out there, you know. And it's, and again, it's also like, it's, it's also a craft that it's also a very, uh, it's a craft and it's, and it has its own rules and it has its own, um, methods and I would have to learn how to do that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess in the nineties and, and I think Craig comment on the commented on this as well. Um, you know, in the nineties being from, you know, your background, being a, a rock musician, like it was still kind of like, Oh, I don't know if you can do this. But, you know, I feel like yeah. over the past, like, 10, 15 years, it's become uh, much more of a, you know, you've seen your your Trents and your your Johnny Greenwoods. and, and Oh, uh, yeah. You know, oh, so yeah. hopefully someone will be like, oh, yeah, let's get those kids guys because, you know, that was yeah. a great soundtrack. Yeah. No, I mean, it's cool, like, just working on, like, I think with the, the podcast that I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of, like, just textural stuff with the four track to kind of fill in the gaps. I mean, I'm just, I've only started to do it, but I, but it, it's pretty exciting. Cause it's, I've wanted to do that. I really want to, you know, cause I'm always, I don't want to, it's like, I want to do something that's not just completely song based. You know what I mean? I would like, I think as, as this sort of twilight of my career is approaching and I'm like kind of doing stuff, I would like, I would love to do things that were more textural and more, and more collage like and i think the the podcast doing a podcast is probably the most logical step for me right now you know to to do something that's like because it's really it's kind of it reminds me of uh you know freeform radio which i really i grew up on freeform college radio so anyway yeah um and i thought it was really cool that you know i i think i emailed you just the other day i was watching little america on Apple TV and I all of a sudden I I hear the song and it's so familiar and it was insinuation yeah. by the Folk well, Implosion. That's another one I have I'm like did, how did that happen? I'm like oh, okay. And it was, you know, and it was this story about this Korean American family in the Midwest. Right. And I was just oh, like, okay. oh my gosh, this this is like speaking to me right now. Like tomorrow, <laughs> I'm emailing Lou Barlow and being like, hey, let's get you on the podcast. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's awesome. But you know, like people are obviously still listening to your music if they're licensing songs that are 25 years old. Yeah, I mean, I, I always worry. I'm like, when is when's the next generation? I mean, like, I think I think there's kind of a sweet spot right now for 90s stuff. Although I do kind of wonder though. Is it maybe it's it's just like everything is happening all at once now. There's not necessarily like 
there is a nostalgia for the 90s, but there's also a nostalgia for the 80s. And there's also a nostalgia for, you know, at some point the aughts will be in there too, you know. And, uh, so I don't know. I don't know whether – I always have – my I have a tendency to go like, well, it's going to stop at any time. Like any, lic- any licensing I get, I'm like, this is the last one. There can't be enough. No one's going to ask for a full, you know, uh, another Sebado song, right? And I'm like, and then another request will come in. And I mean, and we don't solicit anybody for these requests. They're all like from the, they're all from the creators, which is really cool, you know, because people, people do spend a lot of time um, investing and in, in getting their, pushing their songs on people. Yeah. <laughs> we did there. We have no, I mean, I, I'm unmanaged, totally free floating. Um, and the, the stuff just kind of comes, which is cool. So last year you released the first folk implosion single in like, well, with John in like 20 years, right? Oh yeah. At least 20 years. I mean, was it 20? Yeah, it would be 20. It would be. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And so you guys are working on new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, He's been here a couple of times. I've been down to Durham a couple of times. I mean, it's 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 a little frustrating because we are having we are working separately quite a bit, which is not my. I mean, I would. I mean, if we lived in the same town, it would be fantastic because <laughs> we we would get together. We would do like what we did in Boston. We'd get together once a week and and just uh, have a total mind meld, you know, brainstorming session every week and now it's it's now it's kind of disjointed and i mean the single took us a really long time to put together but i was really pleased with the results but it took it took a long time and right now we're working on 11 11 songs that are all uh not finished (laughs) they're they're all they're all like i mean i don't know how it's going to all come together i just know it's going to come together i don't know how and are you guys going to call up Wally or do you think it's just, or is this just going to be? No, we're John? working, we're working with this. We're working with a, a producer that John's from, uh, been working with over the last uh, decade or so. This guy, Scott Salter, who's based in Durham and he's a really cool, really inventive producer. Like he's done a lot of, like he's like notably he's done, he's done like a super chunk record. He's done rock records, but his, I think his real, He's really interested in like remixes and really fucking with music and ambient stuff. And uh, so I, I think we've 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 got our we've got our guy, you know, we've got I think he's I think because it's it, it's, you know, John and I, I think one thing that we do, one thread that we want to make sure is going that it's going through this stuff is is just staying quirky and staying kind of unpredictable a little bit, you know, and, and embracing any you know embracing all kinds of things embracing like uh exotic instruments uh you know embracing like real i mean like i really want to embrace like the just really stretching my vocal limit and really i want to really become like i i really want to be i really feel like the most successful folk implosion stuff is where i really stepped into kind of roles when i sang the songs and really moved outside of like that kind of indie rock context and and that's uh 
something that always has always excited me about working with John is we we just kind of push each other in, in unexpected directions and that's 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 what that's what's happening with this record actually so so obviously you know you guys have different songs at different stages but um is there are you guys gonna tour it or are you gonna kind of keep full complosions more of like a studio sort of project i'm really not sure i mean i think when we when we did do the single we did this we, you know we it's sort of i mean we put out the single ourselves and um and we kind of imagined that it i mean i'm i'm a little little embarrassed to say well we were kind of imagining like we would do that and then we'd send it to the you know the labels that we had worked with and that they would just almost unconditionally accept us and give us a nice recording budget and we would be able but it's like it, it the opposite was true like we really didn't uh so we're, we're we have we're we're in the position now of having to self-fund the record and then um which is totally fine and uh John has a job and <laughs> and uh and he's act he's he's really John is really I it's it's been a wonderful reunion because John is like really we're we're like totally I think when we when we started the band I was sort of the older guy that had more experience and I was kind of dragging John into the process a little bit but now we're totally equals I mean we're just we you know we're only you know that the 5 years difference between our ages meant a lot more <laughs> you know yeah in the 90s yeah. like it, i mean being you know being 30 and him being 25 meant a lot was a lot more of an intense age difference but now it's like i'm 56 and he's 50 and it's like you know we're practic we're just equals you know so yeah. that that's like a pretty that's a pretty cool thing about what's going on with the with this new the new beginning, you know, it's like we're kind of really entering it as equals. And John has actually learned so much about the recording process, has so much gear, is like he's obsessed with like textures and like, you know, and, and it's 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 great because I, you know, I'm and I'm, you know, I'm I'm still just very involved in like trying to grow as a songwriter and a singer. So it, it's really good. But like I said, I mean, we're we're. I mean, it was, it was, again, a humbling thing. It was like, I thought it was like, oh man, you know, people are be really excited for a full complosion project. And then they're like, nope. <laughs> like, I'm really like, excited. Ah. I think there are people excited. I know the fans are excited. We're excited. Um, but it's, it's, it's like, also it's like, you, it is a reminder that the landscape has changed. So, and, and that, that we do, and it's just like what I do with my, my solo stuff and what I do now and how I move. It's like, man, you, you, you figure out, you figure out new ways to move as things change, you change, you know, it's like, it's like me doing a podcast. It's like, what do I do? It's like, it just seems like that's what I'm going to do now. That's what you do. You know, that's how you, it's like, it be, it's a part of, a, of, of the whole, like you have to actually become, I mean, I think the point is to is to become more diverse in what you do and become more adventurous, you know, and, and doing a podcast is definitely that, you know, for me and the, what, and my vision of, of what I, what I'm moving towards in the podcast realm is, you know, I'm moving towards what, like a sort of, like an ideal, uh, 
combination of like collage and songs and speaking and and stories telling you know so um that that you know that's it's all it's you know you kind of have to be it's it's like you get you get humbled and then you go okay and then what do i got to do you know like what how do we move from here and and i'm really fortunate that john's come back into my life at this point too because we're i think we're we 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 it's our basic spirit that we had initially which was like this kind of really cool adventurous and sort of almost like stylistically open and and you know and also with with uh the idea of like making music that is like generous you know that that gives more and is you know accessible yet you know has enough little things in it that like kind of excites the keeps the brain firing you know it's funny because like you know as you were saying earlier about how you know you're not sure where you know the next row you know the next licensing thing is going to come from like i just feel like a lot of these songs that you've written just keep on finding new life i remember listening to sports radio out of all things in los angeles yeah, yeah. a couple years ago and they were just introducing some former baseball player and these two guys who run the sports radio show at prime at five rush hour on yeah. one of the big stations was like oh he's the natural one and they started playing the folk implosion no way <laughs> i love it and i was just like you know i was probably like the only person listening at the time that was like that's amazing <laughs> that they're pulling <laughs> that amazing. song in like That's 2017, amazing. you know? Oh my God. I mean, yeah, I was, yeah. I think the fact that we did sort of touch that we didn't, we did kind of skim pop culture at that point. It was like, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I remember being shocked. I was like, I was watching TV. Like it was in the, it was probably in the late nineties, but there was this inspirational speaker, Tony Robbins, who would have these late night, you know, hour long specials that he would do. And, and it starts out and like, he walks out onto stage to like a karaoke version of natural one. And I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) Tony Robbins. Like he's got this, he's like this very tall man with a big smile. And I'm like, Tony Robbins coming out to like some strange version of this song that John and I wrote. I mean, it was, it was cool. You know, yeah, it's funny, it's like, funny. the kid soundtrack isn't on Spotify, so there's, like, these yeah. imposter versions of Natural One that you can look up on Spotify. Yeah. I think Wally Gagel made one of those. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> he was always... Wally, I think, is he's he was the most... He's the most sort of engaged and sort of uh, connected person, <laughs> you know, like, compared to John and I. Uh and he he was very frustrated by how we couldn't really figure out who, who owned the rights for the songs and we couldn't agree. I mean, it was like this. So Wally just went ahead and like did his own version of it. But it's funny. Well, I'm excited about what you've got. I mean, whichever project, you know, you're working on, I'm always excited about it. Um, had a really yes. great time at... Um, your backyard show in San Clemente that you did a couple of years ago. Oh, nice. Oh, right. Oh yeah. The, the skater's house. Yeah. <laughs> and you did play natural one there. Did I? I, I, I play it. People, if people request it, I'll play it for sure. You know, it's fun. 
that was a thrill for me. Um, awesome. Yeah, very cool. Um, I'm guessing Jason's going to be doing some fiery furnaces things, Jason and Bob. I don't know what they're doing. Bob lives down in Florida now. I don't know what Jason's doing. We, I just got a licensing request for one of his songs. <laughs> so I sent him the I, – I forwarded it to him, and I haven't heard whether he he bit or not. But, yeah, somebody wanted to use Nothing Like You from the Hermacy LP. Oh, cool. So hopefully, so hopefully he followed up on that so he can get that tune out there again. But Well, I hope uh, this episode finds you some new fans or at least reminds people that they should go back and listen to their favorite Sebado or, or Dino. Yeah, check, or... It, check, you know, check out my podcast with my wife. And, like, we do, we do a sort of main episode on Wednesdays and then – Every Monday, there's like a music-related episode that's a little bit shorter, but that I play song. I'll, I'm starting to play requests from people, and and I'm starting to write song. I'm 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 on a path now to like write a new song every week for it, you know, and record it on four track. And so the first the first kind of brand new four track song, you know, complete more or less completed. I mean, very quickly done. So it's I mean, I I just love the idea of. I don't care. It's like it's like I I just want to put stuff out, make it free. It's just free. It's like it's off the cuff. It's just you know, we're just moving on. It's like you're doing a podcast. You know what this is like. I mean, you're you know, you're very prolific. You're what, like 60 episodes in or so. It's like I just love this idea of just just bam 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 just putting just information, music, stories you know, just a constant flow of it. And rather than, because when you're, as an artist, you know, it's almost, it's like you get, it's like, oh, I'm going to make a record and here's the record and you work so long and you craft it and then you put it into the world and it it just disappears, you know, and it's like, did it, but when, I just love the immediacy. I, I've, what I've always wanted to regain was the immediacy of, uh, like recording a cassette and then selling it at the local record store for a dollar. You know, it's like, that's just making everything just like just doing it and putting it out and moving on and just, and like podcasting, I think is a really amazing opportunity to just tap into a flow. You know, I just love the, I love the flow of what the, the sort of podcast community is. I love the flow of information and, music and ideas you know i think it's fantastic yeah and you know i actually do think it suits you pretty well i mean i feel like you are very prolific you know you are always working on something i and i i can be (laughs) and it's coming back you know i think it's, it's really coming back and it's also the podcast is good for me too because it actually like just like back in the day i was describing just these constantly it was like Sebado, Folk Implosion, Solo, Sebado, Folk. I mean, like, it's the more that I did, I actually, that actually, the better things got, you know? I mean, it, and it kind of like peaked, you know, it peaked with the Folk Implosion when John and I, it was like, and that was because I wasn't spreading myself too thin, you know? It, it was actually just that the more you create, the more, the better it can get, it can get, you know, the better that it can get it. You don't have to be like so precious about every little nugget that you do. You can just, just let it go and like let, and just get into, I mean, I can, 
there is a flow, you know, there's a flow and you can get into it and, and make better stuff, you know. It's like you're firing on all cylinders and, you know, kind yeah, of sharpening like your I, skills as you're going along. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, the, I mean, just starting a podcast and having no idea. I was just like, okay, I mean, I, I really, I knew that it, I knew it was daunting and I never, I didn't really want to do it because I knew it would like, I knew it would take me over and it absolutely has. <laughs> but it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot more fun than I had, I had anticipated, so well, congratulations on starting your podcast, and uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm glad that you're having fun with it. Oh yeah, yeah. Seems like most people are, who are doing podcasts kind of seem to be having fun with it, so that's cool. Well, if you don't have fun with it, you're going to burn out, and you're going to not have. <laughs> you're going to burn out anymore. so fucking quick. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for doing this. Um, you know. No that when I started this podcast and we did a kids episode, my friend goes, he goes, you should email Lou and see if he'll do the podcast. And I was like, I got to build this thing up. So Lou Lou (laughs) thinks I'm legitimate. I know my wife, my wife was like, she wants me to, I mean, I, I, you know, I know a fair amount of people just over the years, you know, musicians. And she was like, we got to talk to Wayne Coyne. And I'm like, let's hold on. (laughs) We got to, I said exactly what you just said. I was like, we got to build this up first. We got to build this up. You know. Well, when you get Wayne, I'll be listening. <laughs> when you're ready. <laughs> Thanks again to Lou Barlow for coming on the podcast. You can find Lou Barlow on Twitter at the Lou Barlow and on Instagram at Lou Barlow. You can also check out Raw Impressions wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at Soundtrack underscore your and on Instagram at SoundtrackCast. We are also on Patreon at patreon.com slash SoundtrackYourLife. You can find all of this in our show notes, and we'll see you next time.